Hi, and welcome to Beyond Your Limits. Today, I'm going to talk about the shadow self, and I'm going to talk about some shadow work. So first, we'll talk about what the shadow is. But during this whole podcast, and this is going to kind of be a long podcast, I want you to think about why you don't like to continue down the road of shadow work. What stops you? What is it that's so hard or makes it hard for you to pay attention to yourself and the things that you're feeling? For example, when we do start to pay attention to how badly we feel, why is it that you stop at the store and buy yourself something? What is it that makes it so hard to pay attention to your mind? What makes it so hard for you to pay attention to your feelings? What is it that is distracting you? Because distraction is the word. What do you use to distract yourself and why do you distract yourself? And you may think, well, I'm hungry, but did you ever think that you're not hungry and that you're looking for a distraction? And you think, I need to go on a run or I need to go work out because I ate four hamburgers for lunch. So do you see the distraction? What caused you to eat four hamburgers for lunch? What was the need there? And why are you so afraid to look at it? And why do you have to say, because I felt like it. And then you beat yourself up because you've gained weight. And the cycle continues. You see the distraction? Do you see how subtle the mind is? It'll distract you by watching TV, by eating, by doing things that keep you from the mind and of the feelings and from yourself. You can be mindful when you're gardening. You can be mindful when you're walking. You can be mindful when you're riding your bike and when you're standing in line in the grocery store and when you're driving You can be mindful when you're eating four hamburgers and not judge yourself, but just go for the feeling. But we don't. What we're typically doing is running a program in the background of our minds that we're not even aware of. And it takes away from the present moment and it takes away from the feeling of beingness and wholeness. And when we're removed from our actual beingness and the present moment, We're usually living in the past or we're living in the future, so we're not present. And in order to do any sort of work, we have to remain present first with what is. What is and what are we thinking and what are we feeling and what are we doing to understand the what and the why behind it. So I wanted to preface this podcast before I go into the shadow work. From a long time ago, I thought I was processing my shadow for a long time. I don't think we ever stopped processing our shadow, but I realized I was only scraping the surface. And when I really started to look at my shadow, in some ways, it was absolutely horrifying to me. And in some ways, it was a revelation and it was a freedom. And the most important thing was that I realized I had a lot of work to do. I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive others. And in making the world a better place, it's because we be a better, we're being a better person from a place of love by taking care of yourself first and understanding what beingness really is 
I heard about the shadow in my early, early 20s, and I had a really hard time understanding what the shadow is. I had a lot of hard, I had a hard time understanding a lot of the spiritual concepts until I actually went into them. And, and it doesn't mean that I accept all of them, but to really understand them, you have to get into them. So there were all these concepts and some of them I thought I understood and I could visualize, but until I really embodied and embraced them, I couldn't really know what it is and what it was. And then I realized I probably wasn't ready to look at my shadow. I really needed to hold on tightly and wanted to hold on tightly to my ego self and the identity in the self image that I created. The term shadow brought up a lot of ideas that were associated with negative and darkness within myself. And so I thought, that ain't me. Oh my God, I'm going to have to deal with this dark, sinister, negative things about myself when the truth was, I was really trying to cover up the pain. So shadow work is not negative. It's not dark and it's not sinister. It can be. Sinister comes from your fear. And I'm sure in some people, they feel this, but when you get underneath the dark, the negative and the sinister, you actually find tremendous emotional pain stored in the mind, the body, the soul, and the spirit. And I don't even know if pain can be stored in the soul, but it sure as shit feels like it when you're doing the work. The shadow is both dark and it's light because we're both, we're made, they say, of both dark and light aspects, but that's a description. Words actually fail when you do this work. It's part of who we are and we simply need to uncover it. We don't work to remove the dark, we face it. And that way we shed light on it because we're turning a light on something that's been hidden. And we don't look to be more white and light. We just face what it is and we embrace it. Because when we become more whole, we actually attract and become more light. Because that's what we are. Throughout our whole life, we're striving to get rid of the black, we're striving to get rid of the white, you're striving and struggling. And all you have to do is integrate. So the shadow self is work that is self-integration. And it was introduced to the Western world by one of my favorite psychologists, Carl Jung. And Jung describes the shadow as the unconscious disowned parts of our personality that the ego fails to see, that the ego does not want to acknowledge or accept because it believes it's unacceptable. It is any aspect of ourselves that is not exposed to the light of our consciousness. The shadow is a hidden factor of the psyche. That's why it's called a shadow, because it looks back into the shadows of your subconscious mind. It looks back into your past, into your history, and the things that were stored emotionally. People say that as children, we're born whole and complete. As human beings, when we come into this world, there's this perfectness, this light that exists within us. And the shadow takes shape from childhood because of certain interactions that we have 
with the people that were closest to us, our primary caretakers, or the people who cared for us, for example, daycare uh, caretakers, or grandmothers, or grandfathers, or aunts, or uncles, or neighbors. And those caretakers imprinted the idea of certain aspects of ourselves that are good and others that are not because of their judgments of themselves and their ancestors and so on. In other words, it's either that you're acceptable or you're not acceptable. Are you good or are you bad? Very simplistic things that we downloaded as black and white or good and bad or not acceptable or acceptable. And so if we're bad, we reject those things, but we never really understand what is considered bad because we're too young to reason from age zero to seven. So consequently, the shadow is born from the idea that there are pieces and parts of us that are bad, that are not acceptable. So the way that the shadow affects you as children is we're very, very dependent on our caretakers for our very survival. So there's a fear, an innate primal fear to be accepted, to do it right. Think about it as first chakra, needing to feel grounded, needing to feel safe, secure, and cared for. So if your child hood and your home life was like a horror film you can see that your very survival depended on shutting down survival in order for our species to survive we do what we need to do so we suppress the aspects of ourselves that people consider bad unacceptable or that they just flat out disapproved of or wouldn't allow us to be or express because of their own shit. And we take the good aspects of them and we try and make them bigger and we exaggerate this alleged good. So approval and survival are very intricately linked at an early age. Think about how powerful that is. Approval and acceptance and survival. And hence, you have the shadow. For example, I have a friend who was the third child in his family. His two older siblings were both girls, and they played with dolls, obviously. Well, not obviously, but they did. And he was very close to his sisters and they treated him like he was the baby brother and he was there like with their baby dolls and they would play house and they'd put aprons on him and they'd say, this is your baby and you hold this baby and you feed it and do all of the things that babies do. Um, and you know, that when we play, we're just playing. And one day his dad came home and he beat the shit out of him for playing with the dolls and pretending that he was also a mom. And so the message that he got was, this is not okay to nurture. He was very, very in touch with his feelings. As a matter of fact, he was so in touch with his feelings that he went on to become a doctor of psychology and earned his degree from Harvard. And he's very sensitive and emotional and exceptionally intuitive. And he was the first person when I was 17 who told me I needed to read cards. He never had children and he had very difficult relationships romantically when I met him. And he expressed this to me the first time I met him. It's very interesting. He was very open 
but all in his head. But yet I could feel his heart was crying. And his dad believed that crying was bad, that acting like a caretaker was bad, that nurturing and coddling somebody was bad. So he suppressed the emotions, and this is what he did partially for his work. The dad's influence suppressed the child's natural caretaking emotion because he was considered bad. So what begins to happen? In order to survive in this world, in order to be taken care of, to be fed, to be nurtured, to be loved and cared for, you better suppress those emotions in order to survive. Do you see? Here's a guy on the outside, PhD, living in Los Angeles. Life is great. So as a result, this gentle and sensitive side of himself was lurking in the shadows, and he acted out in very mean ways. He didn't act like the tough guy. The meanness was a cover-up for the sensitivity. He wasn't trying to act tough because his example was his two sisters. And girls typically get mean. They don't get tough. It's interesting, isn't it? And he went into psychology to really understand himself. He had trouble feeling things and showing his emotions as a teenager, and he suffered because he is just very sensitive. He saw the world so differently. Very brilliant man. But he suffered in silence. And he's very verbal, very emotionally expressive, but just like a girl. And he recognizes that he can use that to keep people at bay. He's very smart. His words can be very, very cutting. And he pushes back because he's afraid to be fully seen. And in his 40s, he became much more expressive. And he worked very hard on it, but I'm talking about emotionally expressive in a way where he showed love. And our shadow gets bigger if we repress it. And he began to see it. Is an angry parent or a parent who can't handle a child's emotional nature, whether they cry a lot or they have tantrums or they brood or whatever it is, the child interprets that as not being acceptable. And they try very hard not to express this feeling. You should really get in touch with that, that thing within yourself as you're listening to this podcast. Where are your parents told you to stop? Where do you hold that? Where they told you you were bad or sent you to your room or punished you or spanked you or ignored you or whatever it was? Or they abandoned you? How do you take in the information as a child? that needs to survive. And you think, I can't do this. And my parent, if my parent does this, I must be bad if my parent says this. It must not be acceptable. Repress, repress, and repress more. So a child will repress the emotions and they try very, very hard to not let them out. And what the parent isn't understanding is that this is how a child communicates. He communicates or she communicates through pure feeling, pure emotion. And with time, the child begins to dissociate from their emotions. And these emotions can be anger that they shove deep down, that becomes shame, guilt, and sometimes happiness and being excited gets shoved down. And they try so hard to survive and to be loved and to keep their world sane so that they can carry on in this life. 
But to shove everything down and consider yourself bad or feel ashamed or feel guilty or feel like you're not enough or feel like you're never going to get something because you're not deserving because you're worthless. And it doesn't make it disappear. It makes it bigger and it comes out in other ways. What we think we have is we have to have it all together. We have to look a certain way and be a certain way. And again, we're back to self-image and personality and the outer facade that we show to the world. And as we grow up, we start having these problems and they come out in different ways and they show ourselves, for example, trouble keeping a job, trouble getting along with people, overeating, drinking too much alcohol, smoking way too many cigarettes, abusing drugs. We starve ourselves. Trouble with not being able to follow through with things. Trouble with loving people. Trouble with loving yourself and accepting yourself. And this is why we want to gather those shards together that are shattered pieces and reintegrate them with ourselves and love them. We have to begin to lift our heads and our hearts out of the mired down shadows. When we use terms like passive, aggressive, aggressive, angry, narcissistic, avoidant, gaslighter, and all the other things, including ghosting that we call in this new dating dilemma, those things are coming up and causing issues because they're unresolved from our childhood. And as I say, and I see, People cringe and they say, fuck this. They want to throw it in the fuck it bucket. And you know why? Because it feels awful. So we put the blinders on and we try harder to do life. And we do the same things over and over again with the same problems, with the same people. And sometimes they get bigger and they get worse. And so where does this bring us back? To what does it bring us back to? It brings us back to our subconscious mind. You see, it's you. It's not out there. It's within you. And the subconscious mind is the body, as Dr. Candace Pert discovered. Read her book, Molecules of Emotion. It holds the memories of the past, especially in your gut. I think there's mirror neurons in your gut, but the neurotransmitters are sending messages that are implanted from before you were even born, from your ancestors. So you've taken on their stuff. Within yourself are the answers. Do you know that's your eureka? Your eureka is you. So you go within. Remember that the kingdom of God is within you. And you're supposed to seek that kingdom with all your heart, mind, body, soul, everything. Go within yourself. And you'll find that all of a sudden the outer world doesn't matter. It's the inner world that creates the outer. And when you find that place within yourself, that place of pure acceptance, pure peace, and you accept all of those broken, shattered pieces of yourself, nothing will be able to rock you. And that's what BKS Iyengar was talking about when he talks about his pranayama, and his yoga, and his breath. You can practice yoga, tai chi, whatever it is, but the job is going within and healing the inner that you have suppressed. 
So let's talk a little bit about the subconscious mind and the shadow from Carl Jung's ideas. We call it a shadow because we can't see it clearly. So therefore, we're not aware of it. And that's part of why it's hard for us to say, okay, I'm going to go look for something that I don't even know is there, but you do know it's there because the shit in your life is showing you. It isn't out there. And when you get that, you'll go within. And when you go within, you find the golden nugget. And although the shadow is unseen, it affects everything that we do. And when we deny an aspect of ourselves, it does not disappear. It fades away from your conscious awareness and you can tuck it away or aggressively shove it away and shove it down. But the shadow, the subconscious mind has a life of its own and it can affect your thoughts, feelings, and actions impacting our experiences if we don't pay attention to it. The shadow, it's part and parcel to the subconscious mind and will show us the reasons we do certain things in life without understanding why we do it. We just have to ask. This is where seek and you will find comes in. Ask and you'll receive. Knock and it will be opened unto you. We become adults and we feel we should be able to handle life better, yet we keep falling into the same unhealthy patterns. And that's because our shadow operates outside of our conscious awareness in the form of unconscious and limiting beliefs. But the beauty of the shadow is that it also has so many gifts within it. It's like a treasure trove and you get to unearth these grand jewels of gold and diamonds that shimmer and you see great things actually exist in your shadow self because it's the part of you that needs to be reintegrated in love so that you can become this whole being. The being who had these incredible feelings and emotions and thoughts and ideas that were needed to, and you had to shove down that are begging to come to the light of day. And when you bring them to the light and you love them and you heal them, you can express them differently. And you know, sometimes what we find with them is that those pieces need to be spiritually healed. And this is where we go deep, deep into the work because we realize, oh my God, those are my gifts, my gifts to feel, to love more. This is a gift that I shove down. I love the paint. I love to do this. I've always wanted to do this, but it wasn't acceptable. What happened to that strong sense of self that a child had that maybe was beaten out of them or guilted down, down deep into their subconscious? And what are they horribly ashamed of? Love? Some women are very afraid of sex. So are men. And the guy that's the incredible artist whose father told him only sissies create art. You're going to play football or the girl who had an incredible boy voice and who could dance and whose mother said, I can't afford that. You're not going to do and be that anyway. You're going to go to work and you're going to work hard because that's the way things are. What a crock of shit. Do you remember when your parents would tell you that you were too something or not something enough? That too is buried in the shadow. So do you see how the treasures of who you really are authentically are all there and are, it's all right. It's all right within you. You don't need to look outside yourself for who and what you are. Remember that the kingdom of God is within you. You don't have to seek love from another person. It's the greatest gift that we're given. You don't have to feel lonely. You have to tap into the depths of your being 
and everything begins to blossom. Everything will be shown to you. And you will lead yourself exactly where you need to go by the hand of God. And you need to trust that. It takes a strong and a willing spirit. Actually, it just takes willingness. All you have to do is be willing to look. And once you start to get into the treasure trove, you're not going to want to come back to the person that you had to hide, that facade that you had to show to the world. When you are in your own power, you rid yourself of all the shame, the guilt, and the pain. And that's what begins to guide us and help us through this life. People that have done ayahuasca, any sort of hallucinogenics in a sacred ceremonial practice, mushrooms, whatever else, San Pedro, even large doses of marijuana, MDMA, under the care of either a really great shaman or a psychologist, have taken 20 years of shit and dropped it. And I am not advocating for that because not everybody can do it. What I'm saying is, is you can do it without that, with intention. But it's all there for you. And they all say, it was all love. It was all God. It's all about forgiveness. When we reject those parts of ourselves, for example, a woman who's very outspoken and had her own ideas, whose parents rejected them and told her that a feminine girl is soft, quiet, and demure, and that women should be seen and not heard and should be obedient to their parents and their husband, she grows up suppressing her strength and confidence and then does not understand why her life is so painful. She's done everything right, gone to medical school or law school. She's taken over the family business. She's doing everything her parents wanted her, yet she is so fucking miserable. And the same thing for a man. He's making six figures a year. He's busting his ass. He gets to travel the world. He's got a great family. But deep down, he wants to paint. He wants to create art. He wants to be a potter. He wants to be a healer. And he's split into two because one side says it's not acceptable and the other side says that's who you are. Do you see? When we're disembodied and we're divided, we suppress those important aspects of ourselves and we have to bring them to light. We need to learn to tap into the shadow and understand that we're afraid of what people will think. We're still guarding and guiding and hiding behind the shadow self because those things were unacceptable when we were children. Remember, you did it to survive. So you have to be gentle, but you have to be firm with yourself. Dissociation, fragmentation, it causes a feeling of duality and duality creates an inner war. What we're looking for is inner peace, not an inner war. And that's what you can identify first, how you fight with yourself, with your own thoughts, with your own feelings. Sometimes you feel like two different people, one who shows the world yourself and then you go home and you're somebody else. You know, it's that typical syndrome where the guy or the girl goes to work, they perform beautifully, and you find out that their home life is an absolute disaster horror film. They drink to oblivion, they abuse their children, they abuse themselves, their family, spouse, everybody. This is a man or a woman, just a human being in pain. Sometimes it's the nicest, most wonderful person in the whole wide world. And in the blink of an eye, a vase falls and shatters and they turn into Mr. Hyde. They lose it. And you are so shocked. You can't believe that that person just acted like that. So you see, things are never as they, are, they seem. 
Never forget that. You never know what's going on within a person and what they had to deal with in childhood. And that's why it always behooves us to remember that you don't know what you don't know. Mind your own business. Mind your own life. Keep to yourself, meaning clean up your side of the street and butt out. If you can't say something nice or do something nice, like Bambi said, then don't do anything at all. The subconscious mind hides the shadow, and that shadow is powerful. It can turn your life upside down and destroy your most cherished relationships. The shadow will hide itself behind maliciousness. It hides behind gossip. People with good intentions who really hiding their jealousies, their insecurities, so that they hurt other people because they're hurt. Hurt people hurt people. They come to you with good intentions, but they're wolf in sheep's clothing. You've experienced it. You can't quite put your finger on it. What does this person seem like they're trying to help me, but in your gut you know that their intentions are not pure? That's because you've been that person and they're mirroring you. Pay attention to your gut. Pay attention to your own self. That's your subconscious mind too. Ask yourself what the lesson is in this. And it isn't to say that people are fucked. It's to really look deeply to the pain and to heal your own pain first. Then you won't attract that. And when you see it, your love and your forgiveness, it heals them. So the way that we spot the shadow within ourselves is um, when we talk about things like love and hate or hot and cold, we realize this is just part of a measuring stick. Think about a thermometer, for example, and you see there's no separation and there's no division. Temperature is one whole thing. Love and hate are one whole thing. It's emotion. It's feeling. They're not separate. It's emotion. So we want to integrate wholeness because, well, that's what wholeness is. It's integrating ourselves because wholeness is our natural state. So we want to integrate the contents of the subconscious mind to the degree with which we can heal it, integrate it, accept it, love it, and become more whole. That's the goal we try for at least. And if we begin to, or we can begin to look at the problems in our lives, they're reflecting something back to us, our relationships. It's reflecting back your subconscious mind. And what your subconscious mind is trying to do is get your attention so that we can integrate what's inside and the authentic self begins to emerge. The self that we've created and shown to the world begins to drop away. And then that is what it is like to have an ego death. Have you ever known somebody who is the absolute epitome of what we consider successful. And they go on a retreat, they have an awakening, and they realize, what am I doing? And they completely change their lives. It's similar to that, except you don't have to completely change your life in one filled swoop. You can do it slowly, the healthier way. More attention you give to it, the more you're going to get, more you're going to heal. And the same thing goes with manifestation. When you begin to heal the shadow, those parts of yourself that thought that you weren't deserving or that you couldn't have, you'll begin to heal that so that you can have more, not in a greedy way, but just have more because God is so abundant and never ending. 
So the way that we can recognize our shadows, and I, I'm limited in in this because I know that people find their shadows in so many ways. And I can only tell you ways that I have myself practiced and observed in other people. One of the things that I began to recognize because I had a mentor that was like, why are you blaming everybody for what's happening to you? Uh, Isn't that just a projection slap in the face? And I was like, when I was interacting with people in either in my workplace or in my family or relationships, and I dislike something about them and I was talking shit about them to other people, you know, constantly gossiping about other people and what you don't like about them and what they're doing. Bam. What's going on is you're projecting your own shadow self and something that you dislike in yourself onto the other person. That was the easiest listening to what you say, how you go on automatic and you pick up the phone. What are you talking about? Do you ever talk about yourself or how you're looking within? You see, what you realize is is there's a lot of self-hatred and repressed anger, guilt, and shame and other things that you don't like about yourself, that you believe about yourself. You call people lazy, worthless, stupid, and other plethora of labels, a slut, a rake, anything that is less than complimentary. People, hurt people, hurt people, remember that. Are you in a relationship? Are you constantly being berated by somebody that calls you worthless, lazy, inept, and tries to keep you down? You see, do you see what happens? It's a duplicitous thing that's happening here. Those are the feelings that the person has within themselves about themselves, not necessarily about you, and they project them onto you. And the reason that you are possibly participating in this relationship is because underneath it, you realize you're holding yourself back. You're repressing yourself back and you stay here because it's comfortable, even though it's toxic, because the shadow is saying to you, you feel worthless underneath. People will point out exactly what it is that you need and you will react to it by a feeling. And that's what you need to heal. They will trigger your shit and that's what you need to look at. I definitely am a boundaries person, especially while you're doing the healing, but you take it and you work with it. So do you flip out at other people? Do you become angry at the drop of a hat? Do you feel like people are doing it to you all the time? Those behaviors that we don't like in ourselves and we need to go deeply into. See, you're not a victim but you play the victim role and you've gotten into the habit of fighting and anger gets stored in your liver and affects your heart. And then it affects your heart rate. And then that affects your blood pressure. And then that affects the arteries and the veins and the blood flow. Think about what you're doing. Then you eat a bunch of shitty food that clogs your arteries because you're not flowing anymore anyway with life. So let's just stuff it all down. And for good measure, drink some Coke and beer and hard alcohol and have a cigarette before you go to bed. What are we doing? Pay attention to how you project yourself into the outside world. Don't judge. Think about what those people do when they do shove the food down. They're in pain. When you're smoking, you're in pain. You're trying to feel better. That's why we do it. Just pay attention to that. Because the universe works to make us whole again. People, places, and things become a mirror 
and they reflect what it is that we feel. And when you heal and you see the light, you're so brightly radiant that nothing reflects back anything to you except that goodness and love. And when you see or observe something else, you integrate it and love it. One of the things that I could be was easily triggered. Do you, I ask you, do you have things that trigger you? Do you lose control? Is it, I, sometimes I'd get so pissed I couldn't see straight and I thought I was right. See, I realized that people were triggering me and they were triggering my past traumas and they brought up the events in my life that I'd long forgotten. And triggers I realized are the messengers of God that bring up buried deep wounds within us that need to be healed. But you see, your triggers can also be like a shield that you put up and you're like, don't fuck with me. Or, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to cry so that you feel badly. It's all drama. And for me, triggers showed me my wounds and my shadow self and my younger self. And more than anything, triggers want to make you act out. They're the things that you wind up just reacting to and you don't realize it. And it's done and dusted. And then you're like, oh, shit. That was, I got to look at that. There's some very, very deep traumas that we have experienced that triggers are very useful. Utilize them. Pay attention to the things that you say and the things that you do because these habits are patterns. Patterns are things like relationships with people that have very different face but are the exact same relationship. What do you find yourself repeating over and over again? What needs to be seen in your relationships, in your habits and patterns that you keep regurgitating the same experiences with a different face or circumstance? Because buried within these habits and patterns are aspects of our shadow that are mirroring our inner world to our outer world. We give birth to these things and bring them into existence because we're not able to see them. So pay attention and look and watch through any form of meditation or watching that you do. When you just look and you just watch them and you fully go into them, lean into it. Don't run away from it. Don't try to drop the ideas. Don't try to remove the thoughts. Don't try to remove the feelings. Lean into it. Don't try anything. Just begin to see that they don't have any power over you when you just observe. Because that's where you get. This is how the cycle breaks. Just watch. It automatically integrates. And we love it. Now, we do resist shadow work. I'll be the first to raise my hand. And the reason we resist shadow work is because we were told that those things are the things that were not good about us. And everybody wants to be seen in a light that's acceptable. Everybody wants to feel love, self-love, and they want to be whole and integrate themselves with themselves. Sometimes we think we love our pain, but I'll get into that in a minute. Our inner child resists and that child is locked away in the closet and it's hiding in the corner and it's saying, I'm afraid because I'm not a good boy or a good girl. I don't want to be bad. I don't want to feel this pain. I just want it to go away so I can survive and live my life. First chakra. You see, that's why we resist it. But when we recognize this and we recognize we didn't do anything wrong and that we weren't really bad, 
And when we do our ancestral work, we realize that it's simply becoming aware of what's hidden within us and gradually healing those aspects of ourselves. And when we heal those aspects of ourselves, we heal everything around us. And sometimes you don't need to remember. We just have to check in with the feeling. As a child, when you were forced to suppress those emotions, when you integrate the fragmented pieces of those emotions that you push away into the darkness of your shadow, you find your gifts. You find a whole new side of yourself. So shadow work and the integration is with yourself, with yourself, with yourself, with yourself. It's making the unconscious conscious within yourself. It's for you and only you. It's so that you can live your life as a whole human being and love yourself and all the pieces of yourself are integrated into this oneness. It's accepting the things that were not acceptable, including now in your adult life. It's accepting the things that you feel guilty and badly about that were unacceptable. And it's loving them. When I began shadow work, I kept hearing the word integrate, integrate, integrate yourself with yourself. And I was like, wow. And so I realized I was pushing aspects of myself that I thought were completely unacceptable away. So I had to look at my pain. And then I had to understand the things that came up like shame, guilt, judgment, and judgment was a huge one. And I got it by paying attention to the things that I was saying about myself and what I would, the conversation I was carrying around in my own mind, how I kept defending myself. And it was like the lotus flower began to open up. It was a whole body experience. And this total awareness of these feelings that were buried alive and that they weren't going to die until I recognized that they are a part of my life and that I'm not a bad person. And I had to love them. And then I began to recognize why I push things away, why I pull some things closer to me, why I pay attention and don't pay attention and how I can love more. And I recognized that you can't love completely if you don't love yourself completely. So you have to love yourself whole. And that's what shadow work is about. Loving yourself whole so that you are no longer ashamed. You're just a human being and you forgive yourself and you forgive others. You see, the more we work on forgiving those pieces of ourselves, the smaller the shadow gets because you integrate it. When you dig deeply into the subconscious mind and you begin to ask yourself questions like, was I totally accepted as a child for who I am in my totality? Were What were my feelings around my childhood from as far back as I remember? And take it in pieces of time. For example, try and remember what it was like in utero. Get into that feeling. And if you can't feel anything, that's okay. Go back to your earliest memory and memories and break it up however you want from one to two, one to three, five to seven, seven to 10. These timetables begin to connect dots and it, it's like a ribbon of time that becomes free flowing. 
because you're integrating. You were feeling X, Y, and Z as far back as you can remember. And then you remember this, and then you remember this. And some of it, you know, memories are not accurate, but just try. Get into the feeling. And then look at the things that were expected of you. How were you supposed to behave? Things are going to come up, repressed emotions. How were you expected to live a life at home that was a horror movie? And then you were supposed to go to church and then you go to school and you're supposed to be an angel and you're supposed to act like your parents were an angel when you were terrified of them. And were you respected as a child? Were you judged by your own family? Did you shut down? when you were in school because you were afraid of being judged. And when you talked to your cousins or your aunts or your uncles or your brothers and sisters, why didn't anybody come to help you? Probably because they didn't know how or they were afraid. They didn't want to get involved. And what did that make you feel like? Did you become the class clown? Did you become rebellious? Did you shut down and just go deep and dark and want to hurt yourself? None of these things sound like they would feel very good, do they? Do you seek out relationships with people just to feel good so you can attach yourself to be loved? And when you look at them, they begin to show you why you have this aspect of yourself that you think is unacceptable. And there are times when you're not going to understand why you think the thoughts that you think and why you're driven to the behaviors you're driven to. But I think and I suggest you get really qualified therapist or healer to help you if you can't, if you don't understand. Because sometimes it's ancestral and sometimes it's imprinted in the cells of your gut and there's a memory there. And sometimes all you have to do is release it. And sometimes it's not that complicated. And sometimes it is. And either way, love that anyway. Because that is a part of you. Your shadow self is not always rooted in your childhood. It can be rooted in adolescence and child, I mean, college years and early adult years. But the whole of this is to have the desire to want to see it, to choose to see what you've rejected about yourself, how you project onto other people and the screen of your life. Your relationships begin to improve. And the first thing you want to do is not judge whether these things were positive or negative. You just want to feel them. You want to watch them. You want to bring them up. You want to make peace with them. And we say that we want to release them, but actually we want to integrate within ourselves. What we want to release is the guilt and the shame and how we tried to fit ourselves into something that we were not, how desperately we tried not to be judged and to shut down who we truly are. It's taking your power back and that's a freedom and that happens And that's something that happens within you, and it's indescribable. It's an illumination from God. It's the most important thing we can do. Become aware of it, because in absolute awareness, you can heal it. You no longer fear it because you go into it because you're not afraid of it. And that's what happens when we face ourselves. You don't deserve to feel shamed anymore or abused or blamed, and you certainly don't want to need to feel shame or blame or abuse or judge yourself or others. You want to give that up by integrating it. Give your shadow self a long, big hug and some self-compassion and acceptance. Stop pushing yourself away. 
be grateful for these hidden aspects of yourself and pull them out and watch them and look at them. And if a child happens to come to you in your mind, embrace that child and hold it close to your heart and tell it you're never going to allow it to be shamed or, or to be harmed or hurt or judged again because you love it so much and you're so grateful that it came back to you that you're going to integrate it with yourself. You are its protector because you are protected in love. Love your shadow for all that it is. Even after you do this work, you're going to be triggered. And then you're going to be triggered and recognize that those triggers are divine messengers. It's an invitation to do more healing. So remember to watch it and remember that observation of what's happening is what's really important. You recognize that you have the power over your own life. You no longer suppress, you embrace. You no longer suppress, you express love for yourself. Shadow work is meant to be integrated. It's the highest form of love and light work that you can possibly do for yourself and for others. You don't have to carry this around anymore and regurgitate the old stuff. It's like confession to yourself and God and between you and God and only you and God. And you apologize and you forgive yourself and forgive others. You don't have to do it verbally. You do it energetically. This is the God force in action. And when you're afraid to face your shadow, it's because we don't know what we would do without them. We're so used to being in fight or flight. We're so used to being mean and angry and guilt and shamed and causing harm to others by our words or the way we look at somebody or our energies, because that makes people feel alive. We don't try, or we do actually try to steal energetically from another person when we do that. And what we don't realize is that you're killing parts of yourself. You're shutting your heart off. You're feeding off of other people. Recognize that. You do it because you so desperately want to feel something. And that's your shadow trying to get your attention. You've locked it so far away. And it is scary, especially when you realize that the relationships that you pine for and the people that you pine for are another form of our shadow desperately trying to get love because we were pining as a child for somebody to love us recognize us, pay attention to us. And we repeat the same patterns of possibly not getting or getting little pieces of it. So we feed off of that. Pay attention to that because when you love yourself whole, you don't attract that. Shadow work is self-awareness. It's an experience of your inner world. That's it. And it'll heal you and transform you to a deeper level. And then you transform the outer world. Once you do your shadow work, you're going to realize that every single person on this earth is suffering from something. Everybody has gone through difficult times and their shadow is there to protect them. And if they're operating from a shadow, you'll forgive them because you forgave yourself. You understand it. The universe is cheering you on and working with you, helping you to become whole again and to trust that, to trust into the love, the growth, and the expansion that's happening within yourself. And it gets bigger and bigger. And you're going to feel instead like you're this amazing ball of light and love. And you will trip and fall, but you'll get back up because you'll know exactly what you need to do. You go within. 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you like it, please share it and please make the world a better place.